Amen. Well, we've been on, as my wife said, we've been on summer reruns. <clears throat> you know, you, you watch reruns on television, and when you, when you watch a rerun, you know, sometimes if you watch a rerun of some show that you like, you, you, you watch, start watching, and you think, Man, I don't know if I've ever seen this one or not. You know, and then halfway in the middle, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that, but I don't remember this, and I don't remember that in the show, you know, so you get more out of the show. Well, I, I've been ministering from messages over the last year and a half or two years this summer, summer reruns of messages that I preached, and I, I've really enjoyed this, and how many can say there are things that you've heard me say that you didn't hear me say before, amen? I mean, because that's the way it works, and it doesn't matter if you've heard it before. Bible says you know nothing the way you need to know it, and so you need to be constantly stirred up concerning the things that you think you know, because we don't know anything in the Word of God that like, like we need to know it and we should know it because everything is line upon line and precept upon precept. We get a little and a little bit more and a little bit more for the rest of our lives. It's continually increasing. And so I've just been excited about ministering these during the summer. And so um, the last time I preached, which was on the 25th of, of June, um, on that Sunday, uh, I ministered out of a series that I did last year entitled Faith for Others. And, um, and I, I preached that the last Sunday that I preached, and I want to I bring it again today just to kind of finish up what I didn't and wasn't able to finish uh, when, we were, when I was preaching in that last message. I, I really like this revelation that God gave me last year about having faith for other people. Somebody, somebody's got to have faith for something to happen. And everywhere Jesus went, everywhere he went, his faith level was through the roof. And last time we read several stories in the Bible where people were healed, and he told them they were healed because of their faith. But I'm saying to you, their faith was high because his faith was high. And they believed that the things that they heard him say, that they were real and that he could do what he said he could do. I'm going to say it again. The reason their faith level was high was because his faith level was high. Somebody's got to have faith to bring other people to a higher place of faith. Amen? And, and I'll just tell you this. If we would spend more of our time encouraging other people and speaking words of encouragement when you're not even in front of other people and praying for other people instead of talking bad about people, if we would spend more time doing that, there's no end to what can be accomplished. I'm telling you. And that's the life God created you and I to live. Now, um, last time we started with this verse, and I'm going to read it again. It's out of James chapter 3. And uh, verse 2. And it says, For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in word, 
He is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. The Amplified says, For we all often stumble and fall and offend in many things. And if anyone does not offend in speech, watch this in the, in, in the parentheses, if he never says the wrong things, he is a fully developed character, a perfect man, able to control his whole body and curb his entire nature. A person that never says the wrong thing. Have you ever said something wrong? Will you say something wrong in the future? Don't answer that. Now the next question is, do you have to say the wrong thing? No. We don't have to. But when we do, we have a stand-in, a propitiation for our sins. <laughs> of our mouth for things that we say that we shouldn't say. Well, you know what I believe the number one reason that most people feel like that they have the right to say something against someone else? You know why? Number one reason. I think. This is just my opinion. It's not a statistic or anything. It's just my opinion. Number one reason that I think people believe that they sometimes have the right to say certain things is because of what other people have done to them. Yeah, but you don't know what they did. No, but I know what the Word says. If you shut that trap, if you shut it, and you never say the wrong thing, you're able to control everything else in your life. Wow. Everything? Everything. Everything? Everything. Able to control everything in your life if you control what you say. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those that love it will eat the fruit of it. Now this is, what I'm, I'm going to expound on that verse for a moment, and this is sometimes pretty tough for, for a lot of people to be able to grab a hold of. But here's the truth. Death and life for your life are not in the power of God. Once you're born again, spirit-filled, and you're growing in the Word, it's not in the power of God. He said it's in the power of what you say. See, death and life for your life is not in God's hand. It's in what you say. Because the Scripture doesn't lie. You can try to reason that, yeah, but you know, God's got, yeah, but I'm talking about God's Word. See, He said this. I didn't say it. I'm not telling you something I said. I, it's not an idea I came up with. I'm telling you, He said Death and life or destruction in your life comes from what you say. You never say the wrong thing, you never get bad results. Ever. Amen? So, I want to look at something today that I feel like is really important along this line. We talked about this in the series the, the complete series is online. You can go and download that for free and listen to those messages from last year. Title is Faith for Others. But there are a couple things that we talked about in this series that I feel like are really, really important. And the way I've grown in my life or the way I've grown up spiritually is by being willing as an individual to look at my mistakes or things that I've struggled in to look at it and admit you know what I struggle here I'm having a difficult time in this 
And instead of justifying myself, admitting to it and getting over it. When you admit to it, it's about 90% of what you need to overcome. The other 10% is then doing some opposite things than what you've done before. So, I want to look at some of the reasons that I think that people have a difficulty having faith for other people. And, and And I'll just tell you this, when you have faith for others, faith will work for you. We try to sometimes think we have to develop faith for ourselves, when all along what we've been created to do is to, to develop faith for other people. And when I can reach out and have faith for someone else, that faith for other people will work in my life. First and foremost, you were called to be a minister of reconciliation. You weren't first and foremost called to minister to yourself. You were, spo- you were called, you have a calling, each and every one in this room today has a calling to help reconcile people to God. Because people, people can't know God and they won't have a relationship with God if they, if they don't see other people with a real relationship. I, I, just, I just want relationship. I, I just want relationship with God. I don't want to just talk about God and think about God all the time and hope God will work and watch Him work in other people's lives. I just want relationship. Just personal, intimate relationship because in that relationship is where everything else manifests i don't have to labor i don't have to work at manifesting anything in life what i'm called to do is to do what he said amen so let's look at a couple things today i want to look in john chapter 14 john 14 and verse 1 Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I like the Amplified here. Do not let your hearts be troubled, distressed, or agitated. Don't let your heart be distressed or agitated. What, in most cases, are going to distress you and agitate you? People. Right? people how can you have faith for someone when you're when you're irritated and frustrated and and you want to strangle them (laughs) yeah bless them god (coughs) while i'm choking them right (laughs) not gonna work verse 25 these things i've spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, everybody say, I have a helper. helper. Say, I need a helper. helper. Say, I need help. help. (laughs) Everybody sitting in there today needs help, but you know what? The help's already provided. Glory to God. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. All things that I said. 
last time I preached this uh, last week or week over a week ago, uh, we talked about Jesus being the high priest of what we say. And I want you to think about this. Death and life are in the power of what we say. They're in the power of the tongue. Death and life are. And Jesus is the high priest of what I say. In other words, he watches over what I say. So when my life gets full of saying what he says is so, then he watches over that and he makes sure that that comes to pass. This is another verse of Scripture in the Bible that says, the Word of God will not return void, but accomplish what it was set out to accomplish. When things return void, it's because of what we're saying. Now, now I'm going to say this, and maybe this will be a revelation to some of you, but he is not the high priest of things that you say that are not what he says is so. He's not. And I, I won't give the devil the title of the high priest of the world so we'll just call him the dictator because second corinthians chapter four says he's the ruler or the dictator of the system he has no power except what we give him and the power we give him is because of the lack of revelation that we have from god about what god says is so and when I find myself talking and declaring things that he says is so, what's happening is I'm developing maturity in my life. I'm developing relationship with God because I'm learning to commune with him based on what he says. And as a result of that, he watches over what I say and he makes sure that what I say happens every single time. So somebody agitates you, they irritate you, they do something against you, I'm not condoning if you've been hurt or abused or whatever by a certain person. I'm not condoning what those people did. I'm telling you that there's a way out of that. Because no matter what anybody ever did to you, if your mouth is on them, you're digging a hole for yourself. That's what the Scripture says. Doesn't mean that God, doesn't mean that God condoned what happened or if you were hurt or somebody did something ugly to you. God's not putting His stamp of approval on that. But He wants you out of it. And he wants, you, he wants you to be able to be on this journey out of it. And that's where when we begin to change what we say and we begin to practice on other people, the opposite of what our flesh wants to do, when we practice and, and speak over people and declare things over people, things begin to change. Some of the most hurtful things that have ever happened to me my confessions and my words toward those people were never in front of them. Or maybe they were like later on. Those words were always between God and I and God challenging me, I want you to bless them. I want you to speak over them. I want you to declare that their eyes are opened up so that they can see themselves. I want you, I need you to help me to help them. That's having faith for others. So somebody that has hurt me, God comes to me if I'm open, if I'm developing, I'm matured, I'm maturing. God comes to me and says, I need your help to help them. Because in the earth, in the earth, God moves through people. He gave authority to the sons of men. God doesn't work from heaven to change things. He's already changed everything. And now he's given us the authority and the power and the dominion. And he wants us to work it. And it starts with what you say. And I'll just tell you this. 
Once you catch a revelation that Jesus will cause everything you say that he says is so to come to pass, if you think about that, it's going to stop you saying things that you shouldn't be saying. Now see, talking about your confession and talking about having faith for other people doesn't seem like it fits. But I'm telling you, it fits like a hand in a glove. You will never have strong faith for someone else when what you say lines up with the dictator of the system. You'll never have faith for other people. But when what you say lines up with what Jesus says is so, and that's what comes out of your mouth, and otherwise, and even, even if you say something and you catch yourself, you repent of it immediately, what happens is it begins to purify you. You, because once you become convinced, this, this, I'm not talking about a law, I'm talking about developing a way of life. If, if you're taking up some new hobby, let's say, you know, you've, uh, you've never played golf in your life and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna take golf up. Do you think that it would require you going to the driving range and hitting practice balls to learn how to develop the game, yeah? You'd have to practice that. Because if you just decided to take up golf and you showed up at the next tour qualifying to be a professional golfer, you know, it ain't gonna happen. Yeah, I'm believing God, believing God, believing God, believing God, believing God. Well, it just doesn't work that way, right? It's never worked that way. It doesn't work that way in natural things and it doesn't work that way spiritually. If we don't practice what we say and change the words that come out of our mouth, we'll never develop into that mature, perfect man that God created you and I to be. He said that's what we would be, then he created us to be that. You know what? I'm just telling you today, we don't know what's on the other side of that if we never practice it. If we don't get a grip, well, you know, that's not going to hurt me. Yeah. It's not going to hurt me that I said that one thing or that thing or, you know, a couple things or I'm just irritated with that one person. Yeah, but if you're irritated with one and it stays there, you're going to be irritated with another. You're deceived if you think it, it, it doesn't work that way because that's exactly the way that it works. Amen? So we have a helper, the Holy Spirit, to bring to remembrance the things that he said or so so that we find ourselves saying those same things. Can you say Amen. And then verse 27 is so powerful. And he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. When I allow the Holy Spirit to bring to my remembrance the things that God says are so, what, what manifests over time is the peace of God. <clears throat> We were in Fort Worth this week, and there was a lot talked about in the messages preached about the rest of God. About three months ago, God led me to Hebrews 3 and 4 and, and to study the rebellion of the children of Israel and why they didn't enter into the promised land. And the reason is, is because they didn't enter into a place of rest. Sometimes when, when we hear the word rest, we think about being lazy, you know, like just kicking back and kicking our feet up. But that's not the rest that we're talking. Rest in God is an active thing. 
It's, it's, it's active, but yet it has peace. And in this verse 27, it says, he, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. In other words, what he gave us is his peace. But his peace comes to us when we get involved in what he's doing and what he says is so, and allowing what he says is so to be a part of us. And what the peace causes is a rest and a confidence that what God has promised, he's able to do. And he's able to perform. Listen, there's nothing more amazing than when you've been in prayer and intercession and you've been speaking the word over someone else and, and you've been even someone that's done you wrong and you've been extending your faith for those people and you begin to see change in them. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like seeing results that in the natural with other people you don't get any credit for. There's nothing like it when you, the credit comes from God. You did what I asked you. You begin to speak and, to, and, and speak blessing and peace over people's lives and, and, and speak expectation. Listen, when, 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 when what I believe is so begins to come out of me, there begins to be an expectation with every situation that, being, that turns and changes, there's a greater expectation for the next. Every person that I have faith for that gets well or gets healed or they get financially delivered or something good happens in their life, it creates more of an expectation. And I'll just tell you this, more my focus is on other people, the less it's on me. And the less my attention is on myself, the more God can do for me. It just works that way. It's always worked that way. He set it up that way. Can you say amen? Amen. <clears throat> Romans chapter 4, and verse 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they do. He calls those things that do not exist as though they do. He calls those things that don't exist as though they do. He says, I'm healed when I feel sick. Abraham said, I'm the father of nations, when he's 90 years old and his wife's in her 80s and they have no children. And she's never had children, she's barren. Once he got through trying to make things happen, then he began to say something and speak over something that didn't exist as though it was. And when our confession lines up with what God says is so, if God said... He's the father of many nations, and then he gains the revelation of it. When he says it, then God makes sure it comes to pass. Even when his wife is 90 years old, giving birth to a child. And this wasn't, she's 90 years old, and this, this wasn't the Holy Spirit coming on her and her being impregnated. This is her and Adam coming together and having a child. And he's 99, and she's 90. 
God is true to his word. And you say amen. And when you begin to believe what he says is so, then it'll be that way. And he's the high, pres- he's the high priest of what you say, and he will make sure it comes to pass. Because he's that high priest. Amen? That's who he is to me, that's who he is to you, and you and I have to believe it. So we have to develop that by doing what? Changing what we say and changing not just what we say, confessing things every day, changing what we say over other people. And I tell you, don't start with the ones that do good to you. Ask God. I promise you, God will show you somebody that's not done you right and teach you how to pray for that person and believe for great things for their life. Or Jesus wouldn't have said over and over, bless those who persecute you and those who despitefully use you. Bless them. What does that mean? Empower them to prosper. (laughs) Pray for them that they'll prosper and that things will go well, that their businesses will prosper. Pray that their eyes be opened up to see. Yeah, but you know, this guy's a crook and he's a this. Okay, so pray, pray then. Holy Spirit will teach you how to pray. One of the greatest prayers that you can pray for somebody is Ephesians 1. That the eyes of their understanding would be opened up and enlightened so that they know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance, and what the surpassing greatness of his power is to those that believe. That's one of the greatest prayers I've ever prayed for other people, that their eyes be opened up so that they can see clearly in their life. And I tell you what, when people's eyes get opened up, that means that the dictator of the system gets out of their thinking and away from them so that they can see clearly. People will get born again, they'll get healed, they'll get delivered, and they'll begin to make right choices and decisions, and they may come back to you and repent for what they did to you. I've had people do that. People that I prayed for, I've had them come and say, you know what? I know this happened years ago, but I ask you to forgive me for what, for what I did. And, and you know, it, it, and, and I'm not talking about that it was easy to pray for them. Hmm? And, and, and some of them I prayed for for a long time, and then I just said, I'm not praying anymore. They keep acting ugly. And God said, I didn't tell you to stop. And so I'd keep praying. And then I'd argue with God again, you know, because I was being moved by what I saw. But then when I stayed and I prayed and I believed that God was watching over what I was saying because I was believing that, things happened. And it just does. It just does. I heard a guy say this years ago, and I've always stuck by it. And this guy said this, and I've kind of taken it, and and it's become part of the way I think. And it's this, that any person I talk to that I sow a seed of the Word of God into, that seed will never return void and accomplish what it was set out to accomplish. So whether I, whether I lead someone to the Lord as I'm, as I'm speaking something to them or not, my confidence is in the seed of the word that's being sown in them that it's not going to return void. And this person said years ago, and I've said it many times, every person I've ever sown a seed has gotten born again. Every person. And, and I believe that. I believe everybody that I come in contact with that I'm able to sow some form of seed of the Word of God into, they're going to get saved and get delivered and set free. Amen? And you know, it's amazing how I, th- there are people that I, that I shared with in a, in a restaurant somewhere uh, years ago that I still remember them, and I thank God for them. 
I mean, I mean, lots of people, you know, maybe a waitress at a restaurant and I, and, and, and God led me to say something to her and, and that seed is sown and, and then he'll bring it to my remembrance and I'll thank him for it. You know, I know those people got saved. That's the way it works. That's how somebody's got to have faith for the good of other people. Huh? Somebody's got to have faith for America. Somebody's got to have faith for the planet, for the world, for all the nations of the world that don't believe God, that a very small percentage are born again. Somebody's got to have faith for, some, for everything that goes on. It might as well be you and me. Amen? Say, I have faith. Amen. And it's growing and growing. Watch this. Verse 18. Uh, where am I? Oh, no. I'm on the wrong page. It blew over. Verse 18. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, and not being weak in faith, and I promise you there were some times when he was weak in faith, and he did some crazy things. Have you done some crazy things? Good. So we're in the same company with Abraham. <laughs> and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't consider that. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully what? Convinced. Fully persuaded. Fully convinced that what he had promised, what God had promised, he was able to, he was also able to perform. That what God had promised, he was able to perform. That's the power of the spoken word that you and I believe right there. Okay? Now, <clears throat> confession of God's word and study of God's word and awareness of God's word and praying the word, all of those things are vital to develop your faith. The Bible says that the entrance of His Word brings light and life, right? When we pray in the Spirit, we build ourselves up in faith, right? God wants us built up in faith so that what we say is based on, put that verse back up for me, it's based on this, that I am fully convinced that what I just spoke over that person is coming to pass. What I just said over that person that did me wrong, or maybe they didn't do you wrong, just somebody that came across your path. That what I'm saying over that person, I'm fully convinced that what I'm declaring is coming to pass because Jesus, my high priest, is watching over my profession and my confession. Man, I, I, I don't know about you, but I mean, even standing up here today, I feel even more encouraged to say the right thing every single time. Never say the wrong thing out of my mouth. Ever. 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 Um, just my wife and I in my house, and just, we, we just, there's just been this awareness of this for a while. And uh, when I first got born again, and a few years after I got saved, I, I cut my teeth on people that taught faith and confession and those kind of things. And in those days, which was like in, I got born again in 1977, and I, 
and, and, and got just immediately connected to people that, were, that taught faith and confession. Not everybody in the church had that in those days. It's very available today, but it's, it wasn't in those days, but that's what I was listening to. And <clears throat> everywhere I'd go, if you'd say anything that was negative, man, pew, pew, I'd just I'd slap you, literally, with my mouth. No, don't say that. It's God. Say anything like that. You're going to have what you say. It's going to come to pass in your life, and that's an ugly thing's going to happen in your life. I mean, I, just, I, was, I was just all over. Got to the point where people didn't even want to be around me. <laughs> Actually, they see me coming, and they'd send out a flare. <laughs> Get away! <laughs> the confession man's coming. My family didn't even like being around me. It was just everything I said couldn't listen to anything we couldn't I mean if there was anything I mean you couldn't watch any kind of a tv show or a movie or anything that had anything that said anything wrong you know and today God's been dealing with me about resurrecting over the last few months he's just he's been dealing with me about resurrecting some of the awareness of that and not being under the law and beating people up with it and people running from you and those kind of things. But you know what's funny is if someone says something that they want your agreement about and it's not what he says is so, what happens? A lot of times there's this uncomfortable thing that goes on, you know? And people just start, you know, getting uncomfortable and whatever, and if you don't respond to what someone says in a negative way, you know, so-and-so, can you believe, you know, look at that ugly hairdo. I just can't believe that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, see, you just, you know. But, but what you can do is just smile. You know, just, just look at them and smile. Yeah, shut that trap. Don't say a thing. Just smile. You don't, you, you don't have to say, what, what, why? Wh- whoever told us we had to come behind and agree with what other people say? Somebody says something that God says is so, and you can agree? Man, you agree. Any two agree is touching anything they ask, it'll be done. Amen. I mean, how many really believe that? But it's negative or positive on that deal. I mean, it's negative or positive. Somebody says something. And, 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 and it's in, in a negative form about somebody, especially somebody that was created in the image of God, ugly things begin to happen. Why? Because of what we entertain when we get in agreement. Amen? I'm going to come back to that four. Go, go back to James where we were. And then I'll tie it up with this. James 3, notice this, 3.3, indeed we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so the tongue is a little member 
and boast of great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man, no man can tame the tongue. It is unruly evil and full of deadly poison. So, Pastor, what you just said isn't true. If we didn't have a helper, it'd be true. No man can tame the tongue, but the Holy Ghost in you can teach you how to do it. Can you say amen? amen. No man can tame his own tongue. You will not. But the Holy Ghost in you can tame the tongue. Everybody say, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Amen. Verse 9. With it, with this tongue, we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude or, or the, uh, been made like God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. It's either one or the other, either blessing or cursing. You know why? Because you can say, you can say a bunch of good things and one bad apple spoil a whole bushel. One ugly word. And you know what the deal is with that? Look at me when I say this. The deal with that is it sounds like what I'm saying to you is like, oh my gosh, i got to get rid of every... No, no, no. That's laboring. What we're to do is enter into the rest of God and the assurance of God from His Word that I can overcome every single thing. Because, because when you see it from a spiritual perspective, okay, then it's not a labor. If you're laboring to do it right every single time, you're going to fail. But if you're in the grace and the mercy of God, it's like... When I read that verse of scripture today that said, if you never say the wrong thing, that you're able to control everything else in your life, man, that gives me encouragement. And you know what, you know what I keep hearing in my mind every day? I never have to say the wrong thing. I don't ever have to say the wrong thing. Because I have the Holy Ghost, I can't do it. He just said, I can't tame my own tongue. I can't tame it. I can't tame your tongue. But I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost in us can. The Holy Ghost in us can quicken us and teach us. Because, you know, one of, the th one of the many things that he is is a teacher. And he'll teach you and he'll train you how to control what you say. To change what you say. To turn your mouth every single time. I don't care what anybody else does. I don't care what you think is your responsibility. If you're saying things out of your mouth that God does not say or so, and you're going to reap the fruit of that on the other end. He said, death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it will eat the fruit, whether it's death or life or destruction versus the blessing of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I want the blessing. No destruction in my life. No destruction, no lack, no sickness, no this, no that. And, and, and the more that we do for others on a day-to-day -day basis and learn what that looks like, I'm telling you, my prayer for you today is the Holy Spirit's going to reveal to each and every one of you what that looks like in your life. 
Don't compare yourself to what someone else is doing, and don't judge someone else if they say something like I used to do. Oh, I can't believe you said that. Don't say that. I don't know. I was, I was, I was walking around focused on what everybody else was doing, and, and I was saying all kinds of things out of my mouth, you know, and, and not even realizing it because I was so focused on other people. No. You do with yourself, and you have faith for other people, and you pray for other people, and exhort other people, and I'm telling you, things will change, and it'll change in them, because the world, the world is hungering for people that have this revelation, because we're talking about bridling and controlling everything in our life. Can you say amen? Amen. Back to that Romans 4, and we'll end with this. And verse, we had stopped in verse 20. <clears throat> I'll just read verse 20 again in Romans 4. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able also to perform. And therefore, watch this, it was accounted to him for what? He was righteous because of what he became convinced of. In other words, he became convinced that what God said would happen would happen. And when you and I become convinced of what God said in his word is true for us and will happen, we're accounted for righteousness. See, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ spiritually whether I do anything because I'm born again. But whether that righteousness manifests itself in my life day to day depends on what I do with it. And what I do with it and what I do with the Word will determine my development and my maturity and will determine the outcome of the things in my life. I don't know about you, but I declare over myself that I am a mature man that I never say the wrong thing. How about you? I'm a mature person never saying the wrong thing, never finding ourselves bound up in situations that the rest of the world are in. Because you know what? The dictator of the world will make sure when you open yourself up and you allow yourself to get in agreement and you allow yourself to say different things and you won't challenge yourself and go to God about how to, to change and control your tongue, if you won't do that, if you won't do it, God can't do anything for you. He's saved you. He's delivered you. He's given you His Spirit. He's given you His Word. He's given you all of heaven to experience here on earth, to be a recipient and, and receive of it. But it cannot manifest if we won't do something on our part in drawing near to God and learning His ways in the things I'm talking to you about today. It's key. I got one last verse Just I'm just reminded of that I'll end with this. Hebrews 4 and verse 11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter into the rest. Let us be diligent to enter into his rest, to be recipients of the peace that Jesus gave us. Remember, he didn't give us the peace of the world. He gave us his peace. Wow. You and I have Jesus' personal peace. I operate in the personal peace of Jesus. He gave it to me. I operate in the rest of God. 
I don't have to be stirred up. I don't have to think, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta make sure that that person gets theirs. I've gotta make sure that this happens or that happens. I gotta get worked up emotionally. No. If not, if being delivered of what I'm talking about being delivered of was easy, everybody'd be doing it. But it's not. It takes you learning to be consistent at it every day. And the best way to do it is to change what you say over other people. And not just the people that are closest to you and that do good things to you. I mean, yeah, speak good things over them also. But start by making changes over what you say over people that have done your own. And I'm telling you, the results will be astronomical be no limits to what the things that will happen in your life if you'll take the challenge I'm giving you today about having faith for others. Can you say amen?